Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right. Welcome, welcome to uh, the KMOX Home Improvement Show. I am Rich Orris filling in again today for Scott Mosby. We've got the next two hours to talk about your home, my home, his home, her home, everyone's home. We've got the information for you. Whatever you need, you can give me a call today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And I thought maybe I'd start out again with... You know, a little information about myself, um, you know, kind of what I do and, and on a daily basis and, and how long I've been doing this with Scott Mosby and everything. So I have been with Mosby Building Arts for 20 solid years now, kind of went through the chains, um, started out in the field, project management, running jobs, scheduling jobs, worked my way into this um home consultant role now that, uh, you know, going out and just talking to everyone about their homes just, and to me, it's, it's very interesting. It's a great thing to do. I get to meet a lot of great different people and really like today, you know, just help them on a daily basis with their home. So, you know, starting out 20 years ago with Scott and coming in for production and everything, you know, when I was hired, Scott Mosby asked me a, a really a question I'd never received before when talking to somebody, you know, about a job. And I had worked for, I, well, I started out with my father and I'd worked for several companies after that, did a lot of framing and different stuff for different companies. And, you know, the standard hire you questions of, you know, can you roof? Do you know how to put on shingles? Have you, can you hang drywall insulation, your frame? Do you do, you know, and I'd bring in pictures of things that I've built and everybody was always interested in, you know, what I had accomplished or what I could do. Um, I even had some, a couple people, you know, I would tell them, well, yeah, I can, you know, do stairs, stringers, steps, that sort of thing. And they're basically saying, there's no way that you could do that much or that good at that age and stuff. But Scott Mosby, you know, we're sitting down and he asked me, what don't you like about what you do? And, and I kind of paused and said, wow, you know, I, I hadn't really, I hadn't really ever thought about that real hard. But, you know, the first thing that comes top, top of mind is just, you know, putting out fires, um, you know, in the construction industry, you know, we would run around and we would you know, deal with these upset clients all the time. And, and you know, the, the owner, the boss would call and say, hey, run over here, help them. You know, we got to get that going. They're complaining. And I'm like, well, but I'm not done over here. How's that going to help anyone? You know, so now, now I'm exchanging, making them feel better for someone that's about to be upset over here. I said, you know, and they'd always say the same line, well, the squeakiest wheel gets the grease, um, go go do this and then we'll deal with the other and you know once they're squeaking and and so Scott looked at me and said well how would you feel if we developed a system that constantly greased every wheel where none of them ever would squeak and I said sign me up hey let's go that was 20 years ago and 
What I really didn't realize, I think, at the time was the training and, and the things that I would have to go through in order to help accomplish this. Um, and, and I would have to learn to do things the, the best way possible and, you know, really think of things, you know, way differently. So, of course, since then, you know, going through the reins, I've had multiple, you know, certifications, um, five-star certification in roofing, siding, moisture, um, and energy star certification. I've been trained through the Building Performance Institute. I'm a lead safe work practice certified renovator. Because uh, if I don't understand these things, then I can't really explain them to, to anyone, you know, really well. And then we can't really accomplish them really well if I'm the only one that knows it. So, so many people have been through all this. So I'm a, you know, master shingle applicator. I can get through a lot of these things for you. So if you want to know more about me or Mosby Building Arts, you can, one, you can check out any of my social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, at Rich Orris for Twitter. If you search Rich Orris Mosby straight across for Facebook, um, I'll come right up right away at the top there. You can, you know, go to Mosby Building Arts website and find all about me, the company, things we do, callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com, or just pick up the phone and call us, 314-909-1800. We can find out any information you want, what you got going on. I can come out, see your stuff, and really, you know, maybe help you out on a singular basis out at your home during the week like I do for Scott, you know, every day, all the way through. And, uh, you know, growing up in this company and really learning a lot and in, in the difference in how, you know, Scott Mosby has really managed and handled and, and the things that we do, you know, it was interesting to me <clears throat> the first time we started talking about, you know, vision statements and mission statements and all these things that, that you know, you put through a company to kind of, you know, what I learned later then was, you know, how do you get everybody on the same page? How do you get everyone to look down the same road and really want to work together and create the same thing? So you do these things and you develop these things so that you can help educate and teach everyone that this is what the overall look of everything is. How do we put that into each of our daily lives, positions, you know, what we do um, I'll, I'll never forget at one of our company meetings, you know, there's a bunch of us, you know, sitting in this room in these chairs, which, you know, we don't get to do that nearly as much anymore in the past two years, obviously. But, you know, there was probably at this point, a lot of years ago, maybe 30 of us or so. And Scott said, um, he told us all, close your eyes and now keep your eyes closed and, and stand up from your seat. And I want each of you with your eyes closed to turn facing north. And so we did. And then he said, open your eyes. And we opened our eyes and everybody's looking in 15 different directions. And so we were kind of like, oh, wow, yeah. Um, so how do we get us down the road? These are the things that we do and accomplish and get through in order to uh, do all of this. So, yeah, it's it's a great thing to do there. So um, hey, we got Stan on the line here calling in. Um, so Stan, you got a question? Are you with us? Nope. I think, did we lose Stan? 
Yeah, we may have just lost Stan, which uh, if he can get back, that would be okay. But we are pretty close to a break here, too. So if you want to try and maybe call back in, just a couple little difficulties here. But uh, so so to kind of finish where I was going, too, though, so like the vision, you know, you get this vision statement, you get this mission statement, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, you know, the vision is to be the Midwest most desired home remodeling company. And I think we're pretty well, I feel like if we're not the most, we're definitely one of the most. And we've had this goal for a long, long time. Um, you know, the core values of the company, integrity, commitment, excellence, accountability, respect, teamwork, not necessarily at the end, but you know, we need all these things in order to accomplish this. And then the mission is to enhance lives and homes by relentlessly outperforming expectations for the home remodeling industry. So, you know, there we go. I mean, this is what we're trying to do. When you hear those things, and we're not trying to just, you know, enhance homes, we're trying to enhance lives by doing all of this, what we do every day. So again, I'm here for you again today. This is that's just kind of a little small thing on why I love doing this and why I'm so excited to do it and and absolutely love helping out. I think we will get to our first break here and maybe work out some of these phone difficulties. And if you have any questions, again, feel free to uh, give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I'm here. We've got another good hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes or so to get these things going and uh, answered and done for you today. So we've got it all right here first at hand. So we're going to take a break and we will get right back at it after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby today. Glad to uh, take the reins and, and help everyone out in the KMOX community today. And when, speaking of helping out, we have Stan on the line has a question, I believe, about a window leak. Stan, are you there? Yes, I am, Rich. Awesome. Hey, good to hear from you. Hey, I've had uh, had you up to my house a few times, and I've had Mosby do uh, different work for me, and i am really been satisfied. But on the, oh, the west side of my house, I have a nice Pella window, two Pella windows uh, with the, you know, how you, there's a little thing that makes them open up a little lever. And, oh, like uh, a crank out, like a casement yeah, window? Yeah, sure, right. sure. It's a, yeah. And um, I noticed that some of the window is kind of separating and i'm just wondering if i if above the window there may be a a problem with the flashing and i may need to have that replaced or looked at and another question is if if this window's separated a little bit can most be kind of put that back together or or what am i looking at here Sure, absolutely. Um, so when you say the window's separating, where are you seeing the separation at? Oh, the frame over at the corner mainly. Oh, okay, okay. So um, that the, the separation 
may be able to be kind of just pushed back together um, if it's in kind of that inside corner. Right. Uh, looking at it would would answer that for sure. It may it could possibly get into getting Pella involved, you know, in that. But um, have you seen any type of like water signs of water stains or moisture or anything in that corner? No, but but I did. <laughs> After a real big rain a couple of different times, I've noticed a little bit of water on the, the tiled kitchen floor. And I'm just okay. wondering that somehow if it's leaking in there. And that's what that's what really made me think that maybe there was a problem with the flashing. No, there, there absolutely could be. Um, how old is your home? Oh, my home's like 60 years old, but the windows... Okay. The windows, I had all the windows in my house replaced about um, maybe... 15 or 20 years ago and okay. they, they're the real nice ones with the blind the blinds in between the the two panes of glass and everything like that so i'd like to save the window if at all possible yeah absolutely so yes we do need to kind of look at and think right. about you know what's around that window um and, and also if there's anything above it because a lot of times it's, you know, if there's a second floor above the window, it can be water coming from that port, that area down, and it's you're seeing the results in the window below. And it's, again, because of the flashing at the window below, and then again the flashing and, and caulking and what keeps water out, you know, around that, that window above, or it's light fixtures above, or the soffit area, or, you know, anything letting any kind of window, you know, in even a gable vent you know, on a sided wall above something like that can literally put water behind, you know, siding or brick, and then it runs down and, and you get this water coming in. So a good examination of the outside of that window and what's above it and everything for that flashing taping detail is, is yeah, kind of where I direct you for okay. sure. Great. Well, I'll just uh, call 909-1800 and try to have someone come out. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and if I've been out and you got my card, you can call. just call me, too. Okay, we'll Rich. We'll get something set up. I appreciate it. Uh, okay. Thank you very much for your service. Absolutely. No problem. Thanks for the call. Have a nice day. Have yep. a nice day. You, too. And so now we've got uh, Patty on the line here has a uh, question for us. Patty, what do you got going on? Um, well, um, my question is about our garage door. Okay. Um, and we live in New Baden, and um, we're, um, we've had a garage door. The, the garage door is probably close to 40 years old, and it faces north. And it's come off the track a couple of times. Um, so um, we're thinking, like I said, um, of getting a new door. Uh, I guess should we we have someone come look at it or is it best now because the garage doors are better now? Um, that would be my question. And also we've been having some trouble with our garage door opener. It's as old, but it's, and we've installed new batteries, unplugged it, done all of that. Um, and we've just been wondering, should we get that new as well? What would you suggest? Um, yes, abs absolutely. I would suggest if, if it's all 40 years old uh, and, and with coming off the tracks a little bit, when you get the new garage door, they'll do tracks, they'll do everything, you know, to kind of refresh in that entire system. So that'll be because you really could, it could be the doors kind of okay, but if anything shifted or moved or 
you know, changed or just the wear and tear on the on the rollers and the tracks and everything over the years in, in any sort of movement gets that stuff out of a line. And that's what's probably kind of pulling that door, you know, off the track every so often. And the garage door openers, too, there's a if, if the garage door opener itself is that old, there's a lot of things that can interfere with the garage door openers and they make newer openers that can like kind of get rid of that resistance from other things around. So, so much has become wireless in the past, you know, 10, 15 years or so um, in all of our homes. I had the same issue at home and the, the garage door guy was explaining to me that literally he, he's like, your neighbor could have bought a new cordless phone for their home and that could literally start affecting you know what's on your existing garage door opener and um, i'm like yeah that's um, like there's so many things um he's you know and there was a tower nearby that was like we actually found out the tower was for like local um, police and school buses and stuff for like radio talking over their their cbs and stuff and he said, any signal, any change in that, if they've done something, you know, 10 years later, all this, I've had this garage door working fine, and they change the signal in there, and bam, all of a sudden, my garage door opener doesn't work right anymore. Um, LED bulbs and, and CFL, um, the fluorescent bulbs can affect it because they've got, you know, electronic stuff in, in the bulb itself. Um, so uh-huh. there's there's bulbs that say they're they're better for garage door openers and stuff because they look into what causes that. So yeah, newer garage door opener at the same time would definitely be good just to be ahead of that maintenance because if you keep it, it'll probably break down in the next year and you wish you just changed it. And or <laughs> you know, <laughs> and or they've got newer ones like I said with all this wireless stuff that can handle. It's like a tighter frequency. And, and it won't get as much interference from all of the things around it. And I would guess right. if you're having problems, that could be what it is. You okay. Know. And is there, when you look at, like, the grades of garage doors, um, I know you can get it, like, a good, better, best uh, to be insulated. Do you have to get the best? Um, it does face north, so. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to. It's not, you know... The insulated door is going to be a little bit quieter. It's it's kind of thicker. It has things that held it together. Uh, so it will be a little bit quieter going up and down. And looking at a garage door opener that is, you know, mo- and I think most of them are going to be like a belt-driven instead of a chain-driven. The mm-hmm. belt-driven is going to be a lot more quieter also. So when I went through and did all that at my house, it was amazing because I was like, all of a sudden, I couldn't hear my wife come home anymore. Like, I didn't <laughs> I didn't hear the garage door anymore. So going wow. to that insulated, you know, and having that better opener with the belt driven and all that stuff really did, you know, take down the noise pollution, you know, quite mm-hmm. a bit. But if you don't insulate the whole garage, if you don't, you know, if you're not working out there, you know, doing stuff. Um, you don't have to go to the insulated. It will just, you know, probably have a little bit longer warranty and will be quieter and last a little bit longer for you. 
Will it make the garage warmer? Our, our garage is insulated, so will it make the garage warmer then? Yes, absolutely. Somewhat uh-huh. it, it will. I mean, they're they're not super thick. So, you know, when you look at a wall, you know, if your wall is insulated, you're probably a wall system with like R11 insulation is going to be about an R14 or 15 like wall system that with siding mm-hmm. and sheeting and all the things, all the components. You know, your garage doors will have the same levels of like one will be a three, one will be a five, you know, one might be six or so, but it, there's not going to be a garage door that does like a wall would or like a window, you know, mm-hmm. does. Um, but if you increase it from a thin metal, you know, doesn't really do anything to an insulated, say it's like an R6, it will be that much better. You know, it'll be a third Great. better than before. So it will keep the garage somewhat warmer for sure. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. I, I thank you for the call. And um, mm-hmm. everybody else out there, feel free to give us a call in. I think we're going to get to our middle break here. Uh, once again, 314-436-7900. And I'll be right back with everybody after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Halfway through the first hour. Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby today. Getting a lot of great calls. Interesting questions. A lot going on outside in St. Louis with everybody out there. So, Again, feel free to jump in and get your questions answered right here, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 if you're far away. And we've got Ed on the line with, I think, another garage door issue. Ed, hey, are you there? Thanks for calling. I'm here. I called, actually, I'm a 71-year-old man. I called last week. About, oh, yeah. yeah. You remember uh, that? Yes. That thing, it's, a, it's still blocked up, but it's going to take care of itself. Watchful waiting is the uh, watchful waiting. But anyway, sure. that, that other question, I, I live in St. Louis Hills. I've got a two-car garage. It's 70 years old. And I'll tell you, my problem is I got a I got a coffered roof on that a original coffered roof. And okay. My problem is, is that they it, it, I had an oak tree out there and and, and it, it busted up my concrete. Do you see? Oh, because, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. As it because, grows, the roots. Uh, are, are you kidding? Because you're not going to beat an oak tree. No. Oh, are you kidding? Because the, the oak trees dead and gone do you see but 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 the roots but but now the thing that they why did they put an oak tree there between two houses i don't know why they did that but but now eventually eventually because i I, anyway i need to get a new i gotta i want a new garage floor do you see because it's cracked up because that because the tree came up it's going to search for water it's all cracked up do you say and and i'm asking you because i have what my dad told me you need a good roof and a good foundation i got a good roof now sure 
Are you wondering because? But I'll tell you because because that that tree is is just you know withering away underground. Do you see? Oh yeah, yeah. It'll they start put the settling tree, back down. They put the tree in the wrong place. Do you see? But, oh yeah. But but but, but I want a brand new floor. Do you see? And I'm saying, who is the best guys? I've got a list of guys that could put in a new. I got, I got, I know guys. Do you see? Yeah, absolutely. Who? Are, who? Because it's only a two, two. But it's time because I got money and I need to spend it. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah if who, you are looking for the best, the best, the best person who knows St. Louis. I've got a couple of names, but I don't want to throw them out there because they don't advertise on this station. But I want the best guy because I can afford the best guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would say, um, so who I personally use and who we've used at Mosby for a really long time is B&W Concrete. Really, because really, I'll tell you, I'm not in a hurry. You know, I'm not in a hurry, but I'm going to get at least five bids. Are you mean? Yeah. And I'm going to say, okay, why should I give you, what do you think this job, it, it's a two-car garage, what do you think it would cost? Do you think about how much? Give me a round. Yeah, it, I mean, that is totally hard to say because there's so many different levels of quality, you know, concrete companies and what they put in to their concrete mix and how they actually do it can also. So even when a concrete truck shows up with enough yards of concrete, you know, and say there's one at your house and there's one at the other house and they both have enough concrete for a two car garage floor, one may cost more than the other just in the cost of how many bags of Portland and what kind of mix. And, you know, are they using state approved gravel and stuff like that? Um, So, you know, I would say you could probably find people that go way down as low as, you know, five or six or seven thousand dollars, and you're gonna find people that are way up to, to ten or twelve or fifteen thousand dollars to replace something like that. And it's all gonna be in what they're gonna do underneath it with the base, how they get the roots out. Putting in a new base is imperative and getting out as much of those roots and putting good rocks down to to lasting this. So, I mean, that's kind of a rough and dirty, you know, high and low, but um, it's, it is very hard to say. But I would say, Ed, call our office, and they can get you, you know, the number and everything for B&W Concrete or look them up on online or whatever, and they can definitely come out, and, and they would have the, the best system out there, and they'll do what Mosby would want done on, on a job like that. So I got to get on to uh, – John here, Ed, I totally appreciate the call. Great question. We're in a garage mode here, but let's go to John and, and switch modes here just a little bit. John, what do you got going on? Hey, John. Uh, I mean, Rich, um, you were out my house about a year ago out in Hillsboro and Rain Tree Plantation. Gave me uh, some advice on an addition that we didn't do at the time. Okay. Uh, we talked. We talked about your son's new career. I hope he's doing great in that, by the way. Oh, yeah, um, I remember. Absolutely. Yes, he is. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, great. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Hey, I got a question. I have a three-season room elevated on the back of the house, um, and I'm thinking about enclosing underneath it. 
and putting in walls around the three sides. And kind of wondering, does that need a footing if it's directly below what's already supported there by the walls? So it, it really depends on what you're putting in there um, in this three-season room. So um, there, there's some some aluminum systems that people will be willing to fill in between. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's just like a concrete patio underneath all of this. Yes, yes, yep. correct. Yeah. Yep. So the, the three season room is already there, you know, elevated. Yeah. Up to the the second. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, we just wanted to close in for storage underneath it, so you know, be insulated walls and a couple doors to get in it. Okay. So, so for a wall, like an insulated wall like that for storage. Um, we would recommend that that would need footings underneath it. And so, and, and the reason is the freeze that we get in the winter. Because basically, if you have a four inch patio with a four inch rock base, that's going to hold pretty well to the ground. But as we get freeze thaw, thaw and as the ground freezes, that patio can actually lift up. And it could go up a quarter inch. It can go up an inch. You know, sometimes when it's like zero or seven degrees out, that thing could raise up a half inch. And you may never notice because you're not out there hanging out or doing anything. And then as soon as it thaws, it settles back down. So you don't want anything between the three-season room that's that, you know, and that patio that's so stiff that it will then try and lift that three-seasons room with it. And all of a sudden, you're seeing cracks and things go on in the three-season room because that room's on piers with posts. And so those piers go down, you know, a good 30 inches, and they're way below the frost line. So the piers won't move, but the patio can. So that would be the reason that anything you do permit-wise, they're going to want a footing underneath it. Yep. But if you wanted to screen it in. You know, with little metal tracks and screens or something like that, there's a lot of companies that would go ahead and do that because, you know, the worst case scenario is it's going to destroy your screens possibly if that were to lift up an inch or an inch and a half or, you know, God forbid, like two inches, but it won't lift the room. You know what I'm saying? It it wouldn't be, you know, the, the system underneath it doesn't have the strength to lift the room. So if you're willing to... You know, I have a lot of people that do like screens and stuff like that. And it's like, if you're willing to take that chance of, you know, your screen system might go bad if this starts happening, but at least it's not going to damage the home, then that's probably okay. But full walls, we'd say footing. Okay. Great explanation. I totally understand that. Appreciate it. No, no problem. Perfect. Hey, good to hear from you, John. I appreciate you taking some advice again. I think that's awesome. And Um, I think for everybody else out there, June, if you can hold the phone through the break, we're going to get to our last break of this hour, and we'll get to June when we come back. And for everybody else, we got plenty of time for you, 314-436-7900. I love helping out. Get back with us, and we'll return right after this. All right, we are back. Again, Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby today. Again, just absolutely love helping out. 
Love going through everything. Talked to a couple people that actually I had already visited with and talked to before. So I appreciate them uh, coming back time and time again for hopefully some good advice for everybody. So we've got uh, June on the line. Let's get right at it with you, June. Thanks for calling in. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, my question is, we live in a subdivision that's on a well, and when we, uh, our first hot water heater lasted for 12 years, and we replaced it with the exact same thing. This one's only lasted six years, so we just replaced it again. What, uh, can you give me an idea of what the maintenance for them are? I mean, do you drain them once in a while to, or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a couple things, you know, that I, I might recommend is, do you do you have um, a water softener system? Yes, we do. Oh, you do? Okay, good. So if you've got that going and running, because testing that water and, you know, seeing the levels and figuring out how to control, you know, whatever chemicals you're getting from that well, you know, um, it could be a lot harder water. So, You've done the first step of the water softener that'll help, you know, keep the the buildup and stuff out of that tank. So the the next step is to um, to flush that tank. Um, typically, I kind of recommend you know like once a year, um, but you might want to you know maybe start off trying it like every six months, you know, where you you basically shut shut it down and completely drain that tank with the little hose, you know, nozzle at the bottom of it, let it all flush out and everything. And, you know, you want to open a faucet like on the first floor or whatever near there to let it really get some air in the pipes and stuff and and, and help drain that tank. And I'd kind of watch it at, at first and see, you know, what kind of are you getting a lot of chunks and stuff like that out of it, a lot of the calcium build up and stuff and you know flush it out then you then you want to just turn the water back on let it run in there and and keep it open and let it flush out a little bit more see if any more comes out as you're adding water back into the tank then you can you know close it all up fill it back up fire it back up and and then you're going to want to go through and you know do the faucets and try and get the air you know, let the faucets run until the water gets up there and, and let that air back out of those pipes and maybe open up other faucets and make sure air, you know, get air out of it. I do every faucet in the house, you know, once okay. you turn it back on, just go to each one and turn it on, let it run for about a minute and it'll hopefully spit out any air and, and you know, that sort of thing that got inside the pipes. So I would probably start out every six months, monitor how much calcium buildup comes out of it. And then maybe if it's not too bad, you can go to, you know, every year. But I'm guessing if you only went six years, you know, there was either something with the water heater that maybe, you know, they don't build them all like they used to. And maybe there was, you know, kind of like a lemon (laughs) car or something, you know, just wasn't put together by the best technician in their, their assembly line. Or you've got so much, you know hardness and buildup and stuff in there that is really going, you know, that fast. So. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Actually, we had, we did recently had problems with our water softener and didn't realize it was not working correctly. 
and that was about oh probably uh, nine months ago, I guess. Okay. So yeah. that probably uh, caused part of the problem with the water heater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I'll tell you, depending on how how uh, DIY and in uh, your the abilities of of you guys in doing this flushing and everything. Something that I used to do to mine when I lived out in North County, I had some really hard water things going on and stuff. And so basically what I would do when I'd flush that water heater out is I made a thing with a garden hose that would hook to my kitchen faucet. And I would, instead of just turning that back on, I would hook this to my kitchen faucet and I would run the water backwards through my lines to the hot water heater and it would flush out anything in the water pipes too through that water heater and then i would disconnect all that turn it all back on fill it back up turn the you know gas back on and then get all the air and stuff out of the lines but i literally back flushed it from my kitchen kitchen all the way to the water heater to get rid of any debris i could get out of those lines but i had a lot of it then so if you can right. home make something like that, like I did, I don't know that they just sell that in the store, but they sell the parts that you can make it yourself and, okay. and get it put together. I'll, I'll let my husband know. He's, he's yeah. very hands-on. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep, that's good. Awesome. All right, perfect. Well, hey, June, great question. Appreciate the call. Let's jump right here to uh, Jim and has a question about a deck. Jim, are you with us? Thanks for calling. Yeah, hi. Um, so I'll try to explain this to you. Um, I have a deck that's like 30 years old. Uh, it's like uh, 24 feet long and 16 feet wide. About, tw- I don't know, 20 years ago, I read uh, the, the, the top cedar boards were just in really bad shape. So I removed all those and put uh, new like composite decking on it. Um, which still looks very good and is in good shape. But where the, uh, the, the, the joists uh, go from the stringer that's against the house to the stringer that's at the end of the deck that then walks out onto the yard, uh-huh. um, I notice there's a, you know, where I have the deck's only like two foot high. There's a, a dip there, and I can, and I took one of the, the boards up and I could see where the end of the joist that's up against the stringer, uh-huh. uh, is, is rotting. Uh, but it's only like three of them. And I guess my question is, is there a way to, I know I'm going to have to take some of the deck off to, but I don't want to have to totally take all those deck boards off, um, to fix that. Or is that the only way to do it? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that is really the only way to do it mainly because if you don't want more seams in that deck, because the only other way is going to be to cut these, you know, make cuts in the deck boards and you're doing them, you know, with a handsaw in the field. So having them look real good, you know, butted together, trying to put things back together, it may not work out real well. Um, so that's why we would generally, yeah, if I was going at that, I would take off every full deck board that I could, you know, that's in the way of those three that we need to replace. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it would be every, 
just about every board then. I, I thought maybe you could kind of just take off maybe the first 10 or 12 boards back and maybe sort of sister those, uh, you know, cut off the old rotten piece because it's just the very end that's, that's bad. It's not the whole board. but Yeah, so the only other way, do you have access underneath that deck? How high off the ground is no. it? No, yeah, it's only like two foot off the ground. Yeah, see, that would be hard then, because if you had access from underneath, you could basically sister in new floor joists running and leave that one there and and sister in a new sturdy one and then screw to it. But without the access, uh, yeah, I'm afraid you're probably taking that entire floor off just to change the three boards. So I think you had the right question. You're on the right path, but um, to keep it looking as good as it did the first time you put it back together, that's absolutely what I would recommend. Okay. Well, I appreciate the information. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Not a problem at all. Um, Great question. Something we see all the time with the decks and everything and um, that we, you know, get into. And sometimes there's things you can do without taking it apart too much. And a lot of times there really isn't. You just got to kind of get into the whole animal. So, um, yeah, so that's, you know, we're done with the first hour here. We're going to take our break. And then we've got another three segments left after this, almost about another 45 minutes. So, hey, stay with us. Stay tuned. Give us a call. 314-436-7900. We'll be back. <laughs> 